This is the Hard Parking Podcast, sponsored you by the NSX channel on Instagram. Welcome back to the show. This is your first time. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and hit like, subscribe, or just wait till the end. You should anyway. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Brian Sales of the See Through It Podcast. He also used to work, aside from the podcast, he also used to work at the car dealership. So he's going to tell us a little bit about some of the things that you can do as an average everyday person, because you don't have to be a car person to appreciate this episode, because everybody goes to the dealership at some point for some sort of service. There's a lot of stuff you can do yourself at home. Also going to be joined by Matt Lindsay. We haven't talked to him in a while. So if you remember, Matt and Charles have been on the show twice now. Hell, maybe even three times. And they're going to be on again. Matt's going to talk to us a little bit about LSs, LS swaps. So we're out and we always hear at a car show, at a car meet, I'm going to LS swap this. I'm going to LS swap that. No idea what they're talking about. All I know is it's an engine put into another car. But first, Indiegogo, Chingona, Border on Fire, the dude, Este Vato. Yeah, that. Get involved. Back the project today on Indiegogo for Este Vato. The Hitman Story, the second comic to the Chingona Border on Fire release this year. Get involved. They have some great rewards at many pledge levels. Go to Indiegogo.com. Search the projects Este Vato, E-S-T-E-V-A-T-O. Watch the video on the campaign page. Make a pledge. Share with your social networks as well. Gabriel Hernandez with GH Comics is excited to bring you the second story to follow up the Chingona series Border on Fire. Este Bato, a.k.a. The Dude, introduces you to the uprising of a young boy who moves to the ranks of the cartel world. They also introduce you to other villains as well, but the first nemesis and arch rival of Chingona is the infamous Este Bato. Learn more about the comic, the creator, the series, and how to get involved with this project. Offering some exclusive early bird discounts. Again, that's Este Bato. Hitman Story on Indiegogo. Go support today. Mr. Gabe Hernandez, still waiting for my t-shirt, homie. So SEMA is officially canceled for 2020. There's no SEMA after all. A few episodes ago, we had Matt, the moderator, DeAndre as a guest, and we were talking about SEMA and some of the differences this year as opposed to years in the past, given what's going on with COVID around the U.S., but it's officially been canceled. Still don't have a job. Um, I want to talk about social media a bit. So recently what I did is, because I had way too many friends on Facebook, so I put a post like many people do, like, hey, I'm going to be purging people on Facebook. And a lot of these posts are people say, well, I'm going to get rid of people on Facebook. Please tell me how you know me. Or if you respond to this, you're going to stay. And what happens is within a few hours, you have a lot of responses. A lot of responses, a lot of likes, a lot of people saying, please don't cut me or been nice knowing you. And when you first look at that, you start to get, I guess, a little angry. And the reason why is because I really work hard on this podcast. I work hard for everything that I do, the YouTube, and I I want to stop throwing it in everyone's face all the time, but that's the only way you can grow is just by keep putting it out there, keep putting it out there. And when I post, hey, here's my latest podcast episode, there'll be a, one or two likes, one or two loyal fans, friends will share the post, but nobody really even engages. No one shows support. And so I've started doing... Hey guys, I'm recording an upcoming episode. I'm doing my Q&A, drop your question, and I may answer it on the podcast if it's good enough, if I like the question. And that gets a little more traction. But when I said I'm getting rid of people on Facebook, that post got a ton of traction. If you don't think about it too deeply, you start getting really upset because it's like, where are all these people when I need to support? Where are all these people? 
All they care about is staying your friend on Facebook, but they don't care about you. A fellow podcaster, Zach, Limitless Podcast, he does marketing. And he said that one of the companies he works for, they promote, their big thing is promoting posts on Facebook. And I said, that's great for a commercial entity, but for an individual, it seems a little weird. So you, if you promote your post, people kind of look at it like, oh, this post is promoted, sell out. They don't engage. So that's not the problem. But he did say something. And I never thought about that on Facebook, but I always think about it on Instagram. So Instagram, a lot of stuff has to happen for you to start working your way up these multiple algorithms. Facebook, though it's the same company, their algorithm works differently. And so what happened was when I said, I'm I'm eliminating people, people started liking the post, people started commenting, and that made my post show up on more people's feed real time. Whereas Instagram, you have to do that over and over and over and over, and then it'll start showing up on people's feed. On Facebook, all you have to have is one post that goes viral amongst your friends and people who who haven't seen your post in months, not because they're not paying attention to you, just because the algorithm doesn't throw it on their wall, see your post. And then you start thinking, you know what? It's not that people don't want to support you. It's just they never see your post because you don't gain enough traction on the front end because whoever sees your post first doesn't give a shit. But here's one thing. I started thinking about this because I get very up and very down about a lot of things. And I started really thinking about it. I go, you know, I know a lot of people. We all know a lot of people. And it's easy for us to say, and my guest Brian Sales talked about this sort of kind of a little bit on one of his podcast episodes, but it's easy to feel like you're not getting the support that you work hard for. And I think about everybody I know. So let's say you know a thousand people. There's very few of those thousand people who want to see you fail. Very few. Almost everybody you come across in life either wants to see you succeed or doesn't care if you succeed. By not caring, that means there's no personal attachment. So if I'm working in a call center, the person on the opposite corner who doesn't even know my name, they don't care if I succeed or not. And it's not personal. They just don't care. But once you've made a connection with somebody, they're typically going to be in your corner. Now, are they going to make extra effort to ensure you succeed? Probably not. But are they going out of their way to make sure you don't succeed? Absolutely not. And that's kind of an epiphany that I had thinking about it. And I said, well, that's why all those people decided to care all of a sudden about being chopped off my Facebook. It's not that they really cared. It's just that I had so much traffic on that post, it started showing up on more people's feed and the more people started chiming in. And we had a lot of fun on that post. I mean, my wife asked me, why do you do that? Why did you even say anything? Why don't you just start chopping people? Well, it's kind of a fun social experiment. And again, going into it, you feel like, well, it's funny how nobody wants to support me, but they want to survive. Coming out of it, it's like it's not, it was never about whether somebody wanted to support you or not. They just didn't get the opportunity to because the way the algorithms work, they never saw the post. So don't give up if you're feeling down about stuff like that. The system decides who sees your stuff based on the content that you post. Ever since I did that post, I did a follow-up post throughout the course of the weekend. I said, hey, guys, throughout this weekend, I'm going to be chopping people. And I went from 1,500 Facebook friends down to like 950. But now when I post on Facebook, more people respond to the post because I've worked my way up their algorithm on their page. So it's kind of interesting. That weekend, I went from being pretty ticked off that no one wants to support me to... Because what happens is you're like, okay, well, you guys weren't there when I was fighting to the top. And now that I'm successful, everybody wants to be your friend. But life really isn't really that way. We think it's that way, but it's not 
really that way. That's not how things work. And we're all busy. I did a post after that. I said, all I need is five more followers on YouTube, subscribers, so I can customize my YouTube URL, my web address. That's YouTube's rules. You have to have at least 100 subscribers before you can change your name to YouTube.com, whatever you want, as opposed to YouTube.com and a bunch of letters and numbers strung together. And I did that. I've posted my videos on Facebook and different forum groups for months, and I still didn't have 100 subscribers. And I was getting upset. I'm like, I have if I, if I add up all the people that are subscribed to me, follow me on all my pages, it's over 20,000. I can't get 100 people to subscribe to my YouTube page. And some people don't like it. Some people have this thing against YouTube. They're like, okay, oh, wow, you're a YouTuber. You're an influencer. Eh. Well, no, there's a lot of good videos on YouTube. It's a grind. Everything is a grind. And you start getting really, you get a bad taste in your mouth. You start looking at people sideways. You get upset. It's just like my Instagram story. I can post and I'll get 250 views per post. And I'll say, everybody click this link. And there might be 20 people that click it. Maybe. And that's even comprised of your friends. There's people just don't care. And they don't, they don't care out of malice. They just don't care. Or they still feel like doing it. But after I did the, I'm going to kick you off my, my Facebook page. After that started making me grow up people's page algorithms. Once I said, hey, I just need five more subscribers on YouTube. I got 65 people subscribed to my YouTube channel. And the whole thing I've said the whole time, I don't care if you don't watch my videos. Somebody out there is going to watch my video. But help me get to this first step, this first major step. And people did. It's not because they want to see my content. It's because they want to see me succeed, and they just never saw the opportunity because it never, it never showed up for them on their page when I asked for help. Coming up, the rest of the show. Time for the Builder's Corner segment, sponsored by DressUpBolts.com. Follow them at DressUpBolts on Instagram or visit them at DressUpBolts.com. They have titanium bolts that not only vastly improve the look of your vehicle, but serve as a purpose as well. Available to dress up the engine and engine bay. They have kits ready to go for your specific application. Check out their new AeroCatch hood pin kits, available in seven different colors, made from GR5 titanium. So you will never have to worry about corrosion ruining the look of your hood. Go and pay him oh, a visit. That's, that's awesome, right? Go and pay him a visit and use code hard parking one word and save 10% today. Today, our Builders Corner guest, welcome back to the show, Mr. Matt Lindsay, Mississippi, somewhere over there. Yeah, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. By the way, I have their dress up or had their dress up bolts in my 98 ITR. So I can vouch for them. They are quality products. They're going to appreciate that. I'll make sure that uh, I relay that Just to them. Just throw that out there. So the last time you were on was March 15th. Season two, episode six, a doomsday preppered paradise, which by the way is one of the most listened to episodes, probably because of you. And I had you and Charles on there as guests, special guests to help with the Q and A segment. So, what have you been doing with yourself the last wow, five months? That's, that's incredible, making me feel special. I was at the uh, like the the start of the whole COVID crisis. Yeah, and I've been unemployed ever since, so it's kind of like a bad memory for me. Mm, well, I love you. I love you too, man. I wanted to talk about LS swaps because I hear this everywhere I go. You know, everyone's going to LS swap this, LS swap that. And I'm not sure that everybody who says it actually really knows what they're going to do. And or I know that people who hear it, like myself, just kind of nod and be like, hell yeah, man, that's badass. But I have no idea what's going on. You know a little bit about this because 
people on this show know you from doing intersex repairs, but there's a lot more to your operation there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I have a restoration facility here that's, uh, you know, we do mostly classic cars and muscle cars, things like that. So the, uh, the term LS gets thrown around a lot, whether you're talking about like a, uh, you know, a classic car or muscle car, you know, but it can get really confusing with say Chevelles. Like I'm working on a, a, a 70, 396 Chevelle right now. Well, I say 396. It was, uh, it had a 396 in it from a Camaro, but it actually came out with a 454. That's where it gets really confusing because the 454, you know, their, uh, their option designation was LS5 or LS6. Okay. LS5 being a 360 horse and then LS6 being a, uh, a 450 horsepower. Uh, you know, that was kind of the, uh, the, the bad boy of the time. Well, LS6 is also the, uh, the name of a very, very typical LS swap that came out. I think it was like 2002, the Corvette Z06. So it debuted at like 405 horsepower. So that's an aluminum LS swap that's really, really common that, that people like. Is that the most well, common one when people say they're going to LS swap something? No, probably LS1 would be the most common, but this is a variant of, of that motor. And the uh, so that's where it gets really confusing. So if I tell somebody, you know, no, this thing, uh, it's uh, an LS6 car, then the younger guys, they think, oh, you know, it's a you know 405 horsepower fuel injected Corvette motor, basically. But the older guys are like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a, a four bolt main 450 horse 454. So there's a lot of things that can be confusing, but uh, you know you hear the term LS swap the world. It's uh, you know you hear that in the 2JZ realm as well as 2JZ swap the world. But the, right for uh, the imports, you know, exactly. But there's a lot of benefits with the uh, the LS motor. Believe it or not, especially the uh, the aluminum block ones, because they they didn't weigh that much. So you can you can put them in anything and you're pretty much anything and actually, you know, better yourself. For example, uh, I have a friend of mine who has a, an FD and he has an LS in it, which, you know, some people say it's blasphemy or sacrilege or whatever you want to call it. So for those people listening, an FD is an RX-7, 93 through what, 97, 98, although we only had them through 95 here? 95, correct. I think it went a little bit later than that. Like they had the, uh, I know in Japan they had them for a couple more years. Right, right. But yeah, so that's uh, so if you're you know you've been through three or four, thirteen Bs, and which that's the uh, that's the rotary motor that would have came in the uh, you know in the RX-7. So say you've blown up a few of those, and your change engine lights come on on, on a console, then you know if you're tired of it, then LS swap is an option. Do you think people do this a lot just because they could say they have one? Well, that's possible, but let me just give you a couple of numbers here. And okay, this, this will shed shed a little bit of light on it. For example, you know, I, I mentioned it's an aluminum block, completely loaded, ready to go, alternator, all the accessories. You know, it's going to weigh about 460 pounds. Well, your your RX-7, your 13B, which is a one point, I don't know, what's, what is it? A 1.3 liter is what they call it. It's kind of like a 2.6 since they are, you know, there's two chambers, two rotors, but regardless. I have no idea what you're talking that, about. That thing weighs, um, it weighs like 350 pounds dry. So with accessories on it, it weighs what a dry LS1 would weigh. So we're only talking, you know, maybe increasing 50 more pounds to the under the hood or to the front, uh, you know, over the front wheels. With the capability of doing so much more, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a uh, just your standard aluminum uh, LS1 is going to have, you know, 300 horsepower or you know, like 305, I think is the official term and, you know, up to 350. And as far as the, you know, the LS ones go, and that's just your 
base horsepower. So if you're going to do, let's say you're going to do an all motor build, is there a reason why you'd go with one over the other versus a supercharger build or a turbo build? You know, it's possible, but they, they can hold so much power. You know, if you, uh, if you did a turbo build or a supercharger build, you know, it, it just all depends. If you're looking for straight, you know, sheer response, a, uh, a light and flywheel and, you know, an all motor, it's, it's going to respond way faster than having to wait on a turbo to spool up. So it really depends on the application. You know, most LS cars are, and I say this and I, I know I'll get flamed or whatever for it. But, oh, we're but, up to, we're up know, to 12 uh, listeners now more. So I think whoa. last time we had four. So that's, that's another eight people who could flame you for this. So continue. Yes. Well, so a lot of these cars are straight line cars. So if you're talking straight line, drag race, things like that, then, then forced induction is the way to go because it's going to provide the most horsepower. But if you're road course or, you know, road racing or autocrossing it, then the, uh, the all motor is definitely going to be the way to go because you, you, know, you want to reduce your lag or your response, you know. So that's, there's, it just all depends on the build. You know, the, uh, you know, you want to build the, uh, you know, you want your application to, to fit the, uh, whatever it is, whatever your class you're going to be entering or whatever your ultimate goal is. So here's the thing, and this could be a huge misconception. So when you hear that, cause we know the FDR seven, which is, we talked about earlier is what? 276 horsepower ish. Uh, uh, well, 255 is what it came out with in the, uh, the twin turbo 13 B. Okay. So, so 255. Yes, correct. So when someone pulls up to cars and coffee and they have an LS swapped FD, I think the assumption is that thing's pushing like 600 horsepower, but that doesn't, unless they've done some work to it, that doesn't necessarily sound like that's the case though, is it? No, that, that's correct. Now, certainly it depends on which LS they go with. Your 2002 Z06 came out with basically 400 horsepower, your, uh, which that was an LS6. Then you had... Uh, you Still know, more LS2 horsepower than the FD stock, but... Of course, sure. And then you had the, uh, the LS2 and the LS3. You know, the LS2 had 400 LS3 had 430 and that's just, you know, that's just base stock horsepower. That's not, you know, that's not including anything. So sure, I mean, you can, sure. an LS3, you know, out of the gate, you can get about 510 naturally aspirated horsepower out of that thing. And it's just with, with barely doing anything to it. So, you know, you're, yeah, I mean, it, you'd be safe to assume, you know, that it's probably got between four and 600 horsepower. If you heard a, uh, you know, push rod V8 under the hood of an RX-7. But, you know, also you kind of kill its soul. And that's that's one thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, though. If we are talking about LS swapping, say, a, a 240 or, say, an FD. And I don't want to just talk about, you know, that car in particular. But, you know, if you do pull the 13B out, yes, it's only 50, you know, 50 pounds of difference. You know, if we're, you know, if we're not talking forced induction, you don't have a big blower under the hood. But apples to apples, you know, if it's uh, 50 extra pounds, that's not a lot on paper, but the way that the car responds and the way that it handles and the torque curve and thing, things like that, the, the things that make that car special, you lose all of that. Right. And so it just, you know, an RX-7 with a, a single turbo for the 13B pushing 350 to 400 horsepower, that's about the sweet spots of that car. You know, that's like take an NSX, for example. If you get 700, 800 horsepower out of an NSX, it's no longer fun to drive. It doesn't really make any spot. sense. It's too light. It's not going to hook up. Exactly. So, you know, that's that's just kind of, um, you know, then LS swap done right and can be, you know, and perfectly executed for, for an RX-7. It can feel great. But if you get, you know, above the sweet spot, to me, it's just, uh, it just kills the car. 
from a pure education level, I'm out there, I'm at the car meet, and I want to sound like I know what's going on. Is there an LS one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Or is it like a two, a four, a five, and a seven? And what uh, what is the number I that think, goes with that? I think right now the seven is the cap. And then, of course, they switch back to an LT style motor with the uh, with the new Corvette. So I, I think LS seven was the uh, was kind of the cap. There was no LS eight. As, you know, and as are people essentially know. getting a lot of motor for less? So, for instance, you would know this more than probably anybody ever listening to this podcast or being on this podcast. You know, how you work with muscle cars. You have a giant muscle car thing that you do. You guys, between the two of you, I forgot what you said. You have, what, seven or eight NSXs? So you work on those two? Right now we have six NSXs. Six NSXs. We, yeah, we sold a couple since the last time we talked. So the price of those motors are 16000 for an NA1 motor or an NA2 motor versus your average LS is what? Next to nothing from a from a junkyard, you know, a a five three or a four eight iron block out of a truck. We're talking dirt money, five hundred, six hundred bucks with good mileage and like you a know. you wrench it scenario. <laughs> exactly. We'll see. So there's so, an advantage. There's a clear advantage because we know Jim Cosolino. He did a swap. I think he did like a J or K swap on his NSX, and it was obviously to save his original without blowing his motor. Right. Sixteen thousand sure. because he's a track yes. guy. Exactly. So for financially, it makes sense if you really want to go through it. But I here, I think at the end of the day, you could end up spending a lot more money than you think, though. Right. I mean, the biggest thing is getting it to fit, you know, fabricating motor mounts. And I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're a fab it yourself type of guy, then, yeah, you can save a, a ton of money and go in with a, a standalone. You know, your expenses are going to be on your electronics and your, of course, getting it to fit and then, but there's kits out there. You know, you can you can buy an LS install kit for a 240 or a. I mean, for just I mean, the sky is the limit on those things. You know, they make it to where you can drop it right in an RX-7 or a you know a 240 or anything else that you can think of. You you know. Hey, let me get you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Then we'll get you LS out of here. So one of the questions on <laughs> a Q&A segment is, that a guy named Dub ask about a, a good beginner sports car between five and ten thousand dollars and he kind of gave me the guideline where his son wants to buy a subi or maybe a, a honda civic what are your thoughts on cars in that range because i think there's nothing wrong with either but i also think maybe like a 350z or something because i think you can get those for super cheap now or a brz or an frs yeah i mean that's uh that's exactly what i was about to say you know if he wanted a platform to where he could keep it throughout, you know, say he's in high school or whatever and wants to keep it throughout college or even further, a BRZ or an FRS is a perfect platform because they're, you know, for one, they're, you know, their weight distribution and their, their handling is very good. Now they're, they're slow as garbage. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're, you know, one of the most boring cars to drive out of the box that I've ever driven, but with just a little bit of tweakage, a little bit of a suspension tuning and just a, you know, a little bit of performance upgrades. That that would make a really really good car that you know you could eventually make really fast. And there's plenty of two JZ swap guys out there that'll throw a two JZ in the uh, in their FRS and call it a day. And you know that makes a you know that does make a lot of sense. But again, you know we are still talking Toyota Toyota. But to me that kills its soul. You know, so I would uh, I would build that motor and you know stick with what you've got or supercharge it or whatever whatever you might want to do but and also an update um i don't think you can get a scion or a brz for under ten thousand. i well, guess they're still too new uh, no 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 not not at all actually charles and i uh verbally bought one and the guy ended up backing out on selling it 
but there there are multiple ones around for a little less than ten thousand. Okay. The one that we had we had bought was like ten thousand five, but it had really good had like forty thousand miles, something like that, and it was a no accident car. So if, if one of those can be bought for that, then sure, there's there's some for for nine ninety five somewhere in there, but. So you still don't have much of a social media footprint yourself. I think Charles does most of the stuff on Instagram, but how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to follow up and ask you about motor swaps and other things? Well, the my cell phone is listed in way more places than it should be probably, but you're right. I don't have an Instagram, which I, I should. I, I really should for the uh, for the restoration stuff. But I should also mention that all of the restoration work that we do, it's on our own vehicles. So I don't do anything for the public. I, and, and so the, the goal was to, my, uh, my dad and I collected these things over, over the period of about 25 years. And how many cars so do you have? Last count was 126. Huh? <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, oldest car you have? The oldest car? Uh, geez. I'm, hmm, I have a, uh, let's see. I have a 52, uh, Willie's Jeep. That's incredible. That sounds cool. But, but yeah, it's, uh, pretty amazing it has an, an aluminum hardtop and aluminum doors from the factory this jeep that i bought dude it was on an island in south mississippi just off the gulf of mexico and the island would flood twice a year and for you know like a couple of weeks so they would it, it had a warren winch on the front which it's still there but they would suspend this thing in a tree whenever the uh the water started to get over the over the land so they would leave it hanging from a tree until the water came down i would love a photo so, of that does that exist anywhere the guy is supposed to be getting it for me. It's, it has a 10,000 pound winch on this, uh, this four cylinder, completely original Jeep. It's hilarious. But I need that. Amazing. When you yeah, get it, I'll, you got to hook, you got to hook me up. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it. No that's pun just, intended. Such, such a cool, such a cool part of its, uh, its history there. What's the most of the same vehicle you have outside the, of having six NSXs and a couple type R's? All right. We have, uh, well, to, to answer your question quickly, the uh, Buick Skylarks, we have uh, 36 Buick Skylarks. Why do from, you have Buick Skylarks? It gets this. This is good. Okay. From 1970 through 1972, uh, the Skylark, well, it's really a Buick GS Stage 1, had the most torque of any A-body uh, production car out there. And anyway, most people thought that, you know, and it, you know, they thought that the Chevelle 454 was the, uh, that was the car to have. Well, my uncle, mm. yeah, my uncle Some, started showing up at a, at a drag strip with a, uh, with a G, a GS. That thing had 510 foot pounds of torque from the factory. And it, it had a 455 instead, you know, which a, the Chevrolet's biggest motor they offered was a 454. So that's uh so he was beating people that uh you know that everybody thought hey it's just a Buick but it had you know it had the dual headlights on each side like a 70 Chevelle it had the uh, Ram Air induction on the hood and it was a uh, it was just a really fancy you know Chevelle basically I'm, I'm it, looking you know, at one right now cuz when you say Buick yeah. Skylark you know my brain goes to the 80s Yeah 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 no it's a, a Google a 1970 I'm looking GS at one stage right now one. Yeah, Oh stage one so I'm looking at a, a um a 455 four speed. Yeah. On like bring a trailer. Yeah, these are pretty cool. They're they're very Chevelle. I think we have 11 or 12 66 through 72 Chevelles, 11 1967 Oldsmobile 442s. So uh, that's uh that's kind of my uh the stages of the cars that I like the most. GS stage 1 is my favorite muscle car and then the uh the 67 442 and then the 66 and 7 Chevelles. 
That's but, you know, all right, man. Let's get you LS out of here. <laughs> Appreciate you spending the time with me. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, it's uh. so you ask if I could, uh, or the easiest way for people to get in touch with me, yes. really it's through either Facebook or nsxrackrepair.com. My cell phone's on either one of those along with the emails. nsxrackrepair.com. I'll reiterate that. Thanks. Absolutely, sir. And I've enjoyed this very much. I want to thank Matt Lindsay for joining the show. Once again, Matt, you're awesome. We'll get you back on, you and Charles. If you guys want to follow him, like he said, you can hit him up on Facebook, NSX Rack Repair, or you can go to nsxrackrepair.com or look him up on Facebook, also NSX Rack Repair. Send him some questions. Looks like he has a lot of vehicles to play around with. I really enjoy that conversation. He's doing good. This has been a tough year, but they seem to be doing all right over there in Mississippi. Coming up, the social media highlight of the week. And I'm going to talk about a vehicle really quick. Like It's time for our social media highlight of the week brought to you by Kuya Automotive, currently specializing in new and used NSX parts. NSX owners, hurry up and head over to KuyaAuto.com and inquire about special pricing or on Instagram at Kuya underscore automotive. That's Kuya Automotive, where big brother's looking out for you. Today's guest is Brian Sales from the See Through It podcast. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, sir. Thanks for being here. We're going to get to your podcast in a second, but as I said in the opening, the reason why you're on here is because you have some experience that I think can help a lot of people out there. And a lot of people say they're not car people, but every person at some point ends up taking their vehicle to the dealership to get some sort of servicing done, whether it's something simple like a tire rotation that they can do at home, to buy a Mm -hmm. part, replace a battery. You've worked at the parts counter at certain dealerships. You've worked in the service bay at certain dealerships. Mm-hmm. It's time to educate some people, man. So what are some of the things that you've seen people do? Like, let's start with the parts counter. What are some things that you've seen over the years where you've had to kind of chuckle to yourself and say, damn, they could have taken care of this already on their own? Windshield wipers. I have to say that's one of the biggest ones. People will bring their car in. Like, they don't come into the, well, they actually they'll bring their car in, order the windshield wipers, and then hand them to the, um, the mechanic to put them on. It just got charged maybe $100 to get those wipers put on. Right, because that's that's labor. And one thing I don't think yeah. people understand is that you can't, like there's like a minimum, like some dealerships I think have to charge a minimum of one hour and some can actually do like a half hour, but you're not getting mm-hmm. any breaks on that, right? You're not getting any breaks for that. And and then we have to charge you, you know, full price for the, the windshield wipers. And I mean, if you're, you know, Audi or Mercedes or whatever, those things are costly. Plus, now you're going to pay it an hour to put the windshield wipers on. Yeah, and you don't even have to. Then that's one thing. Is some people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you know how to save money. Because what happens is, right, so if you go into the dealership and you need new windshield wipers, you're buying OE, which is original equipment parts, and that stuff's going to be a premium. So, like, just for an example, I, I bring in an Audi or I bring in a Honda or I bring in whatever. How much does an OE windshield wiper set cost just for the fronts. Okay, so for an Audi, about 110. So that's $110 for windshield wipers. But here's the thing. If there's one thing on the car, well, there's many things on every vehicle, but if there's one thing you do not, there's no reason to buy OE on, it's probably windshield wipers. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's those people, I mean, they say like, okay, so we saying you can stay away from OE on the windshield wipers. They were like, well, sometimes the parts don't match up. Well, you can always continue to research and find the best ones that have matched up and other people have used to put on their vehicles. Because uh, here's a hidden secret. 
a lot of those OE parts are made by some of these aftermarket companies. Like they, you know, had a, a, a fingerprint in that making. Like Bosch, classic yeah. example. Bosch parts, yeah. you can go into your local AutoZone. There's AutoZones all over the United States. You can go into Pep Boys. And in those stores, you can stop at the counter and ask for help, or you can go to the windshield wiper department, and they have books. In those books you open up, you find the year of your car. So you're going to yep. have to know a little bit. You have to know what year your car is and what trim it is. So I'm looking at, I need windshield wipers for my 2002 Audi A4, which mm -hmm. is a B6 body style. So 2002, 2005 Audi A4, I go down, and it gives me the size wiper for the driver's side, the passenger side, and which brand too. So then I can pick and say, okay, I want the $9 one or the $20 one. In any case, there is no way you're ever going to spend the same amount of money going into the store, Absolutely. buying them yourself than at the dealership. I think with the OE thing, people are just, they just feel more comfortable knowing, okay, this is going to be exact fit and this is going to do the exact same thing it was supposed to do as the previous. And, you know, with some things, you might want to do that. But with things like windshield wiper, some people come in there looking for a certain type of washer fluid, things like that. Like, no, you can go to, you know, your AutoZone, your Pep Boys, O'Reilly's or whatever and get that stuff. Uh, you know, internal stuff for engines and maybe, but you don't have to always stick to the OE. That's going to cost you. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is the home maintenance stuff. So if you need new wiper fluid, um, I almost said a turn signal fluid. So if you need new, <laughs> <laughs> if you need new uh, windshield wiper fluid, um, if you need to top off your oil, you know, a lot of that stuff, if you just go to a local auto parts store, those people behind the counter, you don't even have to go down the line, down the aisles, stop there. They will literally look it up. They will grab it for you. And with windshield wipers, they'll put them on for you for free. Yeah. And now you and spend, an, yeah. Boom. Yeah, you don't have to worry about being charged a whole hour for actual, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes of, of work. You know, there's ways that you can save. And if, I mean, the dealership is there for big reasons, you know, the dealership is there for warranty work, computer stuff, electronical stuff that you don't have at home. You, you know, you take your car there to have them work on that stuff, but stuff that you can, you know, prop up in your garage or one of your friend's garages or, you know, in your driveway. Get that stuff done. Yeah, there's a lot of things. So whether you're just a regular everyday person kind of going through and don't know hardly anything about your vehicle or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, there's a lot of things that you could take care of on your own. Let's talk about your podcast a little bit. That's some excellent information for people with regard to basic servicing on your own. But you have mm -hmm. a podcast called See Through It. Um, I'm a fan of your your perspective on things because you're not you don't come with the same cookie cutter. You kind of go – I wouldn't say you go against the green, but you're – you're an independent thinker, and I think that um, it's it's difficult to find independent thinkers in today's society because everyone's really afraid to say what they really think. It's just so much mm -hmm. easier to go with the green. Why do you have your podcast? You know, what's your your full motivation behind it? I, I have the podcast because at first it was about you know attacking the media and highlighting the media uh, biasness and everything that happens in the in the world and then um, as time has went on it has evolved into a hopefully opening people's eyes to different perspectives and hopefully opening their minds to maybe change the way they think the way they see things how they feel about certain things and and just you know just wake up and and stop 
being blinded in the fog or the of the bright lights of what's going on in the world. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I created it, and that's and I named it See Through It because I felt like we were always blinded by whatever the media was telling us, or even in relationships we were blinded by someone's uh, being able to charm us, or uh, just in everyday life we we're, we're always blinded, and then we're reacting to something that's not going right, and not really looking at it and being like, okay, well, why is this being done? Or, why is this being said? Why am I reacting this way to something that's not even, you know, and there's no reason to react this way. So basically, I'm just hope, hoping to open people's minds and eyes and ears and help them navigate through life. Especially with sharing my own, my own story of who I was and who I am now becoming. Well, you're saying don't be blinded by the media. You're not necessarily talking about conspiracy theory either. You're just talking about, you know, there's always some sort of a motive, whether it's something like politics or it's something as benign as sports. It's like, have your own opinion, see through yeah. the BS, yeah. use your own optics, don't rely on other people. Like, what does it mean to you type of deal, which yeah. is why I like it so much. Another thing, though, about it is, I mean, you do a live, your show is live. Like, I don't understand how you guys can do a live show. <laughs> With video because I go through so much editing because I say some of the weirdest things and I don't realize it till I go back and listen to it. Like, what the hell was that noise that came out of my mouth? So I commend you for having that type of <laughs> that fortitude to sit there and do it. Yeah, thank you. I think it, it, so. With the live thing, I started it at first when I first started. It, everything was recorded. I was on Anchor and I was recording my stuff, and I I don't think I really liked it. I don't think I really enjoyed it. And then I took it live. My brother said I should take it live. So then I took it live. And at that point, I had already taken like uh, two two public speaking classes. And so I was getting comfortable with it. And then as the episodes got further and further along, I'm just now I'm I'm comfortable, but I still get that 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 nervous anxiousness. You know, but right. It's, it's it's something different, especially being able to react to people's comments and seeing seeing what they're saying, seeing what they are saying. It's just a whole different feel. Uh, I I really like the whole live aspect, and I feel like they can connect with me when I'm in, especially when I get uh, not emotional, but when I get passionate about something. They can see it on my face. Uh, they can hear it in my tone, and they're like, okay. But I feel like the live show is definitely, I, I enjoy it. I feel like it, it it helps push my message out there. So what you're saying is I need to, um, I need to take some public speaking classes. Well, no, no. I took the public speaking classes because I was never comfortable or confident in speaking in front of people, which is crazy because I, I was in the Navy and I was in charge of a kitchen. But I still never felt, you know, confident speaking in to people. I had like 26 people I was in charge of and I had to speak to them and, you know, make sure they was doing what they needed to do. And I never felt really comfortable. And somehow it just it just flowed. Like I remember my teacher used to telling me that I was, you know, I should be a leader, but I was always following because I didn't have that confidence in my my voice or anything I was saying or anything. So. Uh, as I guess, I guess I got older and taking these classes, it just, 
like boosted it even more. But yeah, live show. It's awesome. Talk about the Warriors collection really quick and then we'll get you out of here. All right. Well, the Warriors collection is just basically people who don't believe that they have a warrior in them. You know, these seven virtues, virtues that I feel like is important to have in your in your collection that makes you a warrior. Honor, integrity, commitment, you know, loyalty, respect, courage, all those virtues I feel like, you know, embodies the warrior's mentality, the whole collection of the warrior. It's a transition from younger years of myself. I struggled with so many things. And when I finally made the decision to change over, I had to fight all those bad habits. I had to fight all those behaviors. And that that warrior in me fought all those. And I'm still fighting to this day. Once you change, the, the fight is not over. It's an everyday battle. It's an everyday struggle. Your mind wants to take you back to those places. And you got to stay committed to doing the right thing. You got to stay loyal and respectful to people that you, uh, you know, that are that you are around showing honor to your family's name and people who are, who also are depending on you. So the courage part is, you know, standing up and looking um, danger in the face and doing the right thing, no matter what it is. Integrity, the same thing. So if someone wants to get some of your Warriors collection gear, how can they procure it? And then also how can they find you, reach you out on uh, See Through a Podcast? Warriors collection is, I'm on Instagram at warriors underscore collection underscore uh i use paypal dm me there if you want to pick up a shirt or a patch i'm still working on some other stuff but you can find me on instagram there and the podcast at brian sales sales s-a-i-l-e-s brian with an i at brian sales and the whole podcast is there you can find it on youtube yeah find me on facebook like and join the conversation there on the Facebook page and on YouTube and I go live. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> no problem. I want to thank Brian sales for coming on. That's S A I L E S Brian sales from the see through it podcast. Also doing the warrior collection brand. It's a brand committed to excellence. It's a brand committed to really yourself. You know, we all have a warrior in us. You know, none of us want to lay down and give up on anything. And it's about overcoming your obstacles and sticking to those seven principles. So you can check him out. Like he said, you know, the STI podcast, so See Through It podcast. And you can tell the logo, it's like a silhouette of a guy with a baseball hat on looking through some binoculars. He's seeing through it. Or he's a peeping Tom. But I think he's seeing through it. So that's the STI podcast. Hit him up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. The Rental Car of the Week is sponsored by Higher Quality Detail out of Tempe, Arizona. Specializes in premium vehicle protection, solutions, cosmetic customizations as your one-stop shop, ranging from basic detail and options through ceramic coating, paint protection, protection films, and more. Visit Ceramic Pro Arizona, one word, on Instagram or Higher Quality Detail. That's H-Y-E-R, Quality Detail, all smushed together in the address bar. And get looking your best today. So I really don't have a rental car to talk about. But there is a vehicle that I've made note of months ago. We were at the grocery store, my wife and I. I looked over and saw this big SUV. Sort of big. 
I said, what the hell is that? It was a GMC Envoy XUV. So not SUV, X. Like Xavier UV. Did some research on it. They had them in 98 to 2000, and they tried again for some reason in 2002, 2009. This was a weird red color. This thing was hideous. It was visually disturbing. I said, what the hell is that? It's hideous. If you have an XUV, shame on you. Coming up, Q&A segment. It's time for the Q&A segment sponsored by Last Era Brand Motorsports Clothing. Vintage racing inspired apparel to celebrate and represent the 80s and 90s era of motorsports from Group B, Le Mans, IMSA, Indy, and Formula One. Follow them on Instagram at Last Air Brand or go shopping at lastairbrand.com. Tell them the Hard Parking Podcast sent you. This question comes from the last time. It's by UB D-U-R-I-N, UB Druin. Sorry if I messed that up. Opinions on Honda dropping the Civic SI Coupe and the Honda Fit. He said Honda Fit Type R. I really couldn't find anything about the Honda Fit Type R. Um, I did a little bit of research and I do know that there's some financial reasons why they're dropping both of those. The reason why most cars drop or most car manufacturers drop cars is because sales are low. To me, it makes sense. They're going to keep the Civic SI sedan and get rid of the coupe because the coupe is sort of competition to the Type R. And you don't want to have two things that are so close to where instead of spending $45,000 for the Type R, how much is the Civic Type R? I don't know. Last time I saw it, it was $45,000. I don't know if that was with the markup or not. Or you could spend fifteen dollars to $20,000 less for the Civic SI. It makes more sense to get rid of the SI Coupe. Brian Sales asks, how have you grown personally or how have your views changed about life, society, and people in 2020? So... 2020 has been tough for a lot of people. Um, I think early on, one thing that it really did was allow us to kind of see, sit back and watch on how people really were. Everything from the great toilet paper crisis, because remember, that was this year. This has been a really long year. But the toilet paper crisis, people trying to sell stuff for just ridiculous amounts of money when other people really needed it. And then take social media. People had more time to sit around I don't know. I think it, it, it allowed us to see who people really were. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of us, we know people from two things. We know them from hobby and we know them from work. That's really all we know about people. And most people don't talk about their personal lives at work very much. And when you're at a hobby location, like for instance, cars, right? All you're doing is talking about your cars. You're not talking about life unless you personally know someone really well. You're not talking about, hey, what's your idea? What do you, what do you think about? What do you think about using hydrogen as a renewable energy for our electric bill? I don't know if that's a real thing, but no one talks about that stuff. And so when you get people sitting behind the keyboard, you get to find out what they really think about politics, what they really think about social issues. You have to be careful not to judge people too much because all people typically know is through their own experiences, what they've seen through the lens of their own life. And that doesn't always necessarily make them wrong. It just makes them with a different opinion than you. Maybe in many cases, a less informed opinion or an other cases, maybe you have a less informed opinion that you think you really have about something that actually matters more to somebody else. So for me personally, it's kind of making me, I don't know, I get more bitter as each week passes because I haven't worked in four months. As a contractor, we were the first hit. And it's not like I can just go out and get some regular job because if I get a regular job, I'll be incredibly underemployed because I know as soon as my field opens up, I'm gone. So it makes it really difficult. 
I've become a little more bitter. And because of everything that I said earlier, I'm just kind of looking back at people kind of like, man, I thought I knew you sort of, but I really don't know you. But now I know how you really think. And I don't know. I've distanced myself from some people. And then some people have distanced themselves from me. It has given us a lot of time to just kind of sit around and and think about our lives and and do different things, I guess. That was a really long answer. I didn't want to take that long an answer. Kenny asks, what's the first international trip you'd like to go to when it's safe to travel again? I don't know, Kenny. It's not like I go all over the world normally. I mean, if I leave the country, it's typically because we have a family vacation or my wife and I are going on a nice trip somewhere. And some other friends of ours are trying to get us to go to Amsterdam with them. So maybe we go to Amsterdam. Maybe that's the next vacation. In those cases, it had nothing to do with 2020 and the things that we're having to deal with through COVID and travel restrictions. It's more or less time, money, availability. Those are really the three things that stop anybody from traveling abroad who's not doing it for work. For this year, travel's been killed for most people. Possum Killer asks, Futurama or Family Guy? I really like this question because I'm a big fan of both. Haven't watched Family Guy in years. Haven't watched Futurama in years because it was taken off the air. Futurama, I'm going to go ahead and go with Futurama for this reason. Futurama, I think, is one of the most underrated, made for regular television, animated series ever. The same people who made The Simpsons. Somehow The Simpsons lasted forever and they just never progressed. Futurama to me, because my wife and I used to watch it, it's more of like the adult version of The Simpsons. And I don't mean adult as in like just pure content, but humor. The humor level they use in Futurama is way ahead of its time. It, to use a phrase in football, it outpunted the coverage, it outkicked the coverage because you have all these cute characters, all the main characters. So little kids are going to want to watch it, except for they didn't understand the show. The show was really made for adults. And I think that, um, to me, Futurama, I'm going to take Futurama over Family Guy for that reason. I think it was, it was, it was, it was cleverly written. Family Guy is also cleverly written, but anybody can get behind Family Guy. Although little kids aren't going to get the jokes either. So John Chu asks, why is the USA a standout loser in the world pandemic response game? A quarter of the global infection. I don't. As you guys know, I don't like talking about politics. So I'm going to try to make this as non-political as possible. I don't like talking about a lot of this stuff because it's literally everywhere. Everybody has an opinion and it's okay to have an opinion. And I know the last episode about people buying stuff or crying about things they're ne- they were never going to buy to begin with or can't even afford. Your opinion doesn't matter because it doesn't, but everyone still has an opinion. I think my opinion on this is shared by many. The reason why we're behind is because Americans are stubborn. We're one of the youngest countries historically in the world, yet we act like we've been around forever and we know everything because America's so much better than everywhere else. And it is a lot better than a lot of places. And we do have the Constitution, so we have a lot of stuff going for us. But I also feel that parts of the Constitution are the worst parts about this country, and they need to be rewritten. Parts of it need to be reamended. Everybody wants to hide behind their constitutional rights instead of just doing what you're asked. And no, we're not the sheep. It's not, this whole thing isn't for the government to control us. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. One of the most ridiculous things. We're like this because it's not, it's easy to point the finger at the federal government, but they left it up to each state to decide, each governor to decide how they wanted to proceed because the rates are different. 
unlike most countries that are one big thing, we have a very unique thing in the United States being one country broken up into 50 territories, states, if you will, that are typically ran by themselves in their own way within the guidelines of the federal government. And so Arizona, our governor says, open up. And what do we do when we open up? Everybody rushes in crowds. They don't take their time. Everybody packs. All the events that people come out here for, Salt River tubing, Old Town Scottsdale, packed just as bad, if not worse than before. And that's why people get this illness. That's a big reason. It's not every reason, but that's a big reason. And Americans overall are like, we're going to do what we want to do. There's still a fight whether or not you, you should or shouldn't wear masks. Bottom line, if they say wear a mask or you can get fined, then wear a mask. No one's above wearing a mask. You make yourself look stupid. You make yourself look like, oh, you know something that nobody else knows. And then you want to say it's against your constitutional rights to be told what to do. Get out of here. That's why. I have friends in other countries. We talk often because of podcasting. They don't have the issues we have. You know why? Because they say wear a mask. They say practice social distancing. And that's what people did. Wear a mask, practice social distancing, flatten the curve. So we, the people, are the reason why we continue to fail while the rest of the world laughs. It's not the main administration's fault. We hold ourselves accountable. And everybody's looking for somebody else to blame. It's our fault. Dub asks, what's the best sports car for beginners? 18 years old. Dub's talking five to $10,000 here. I reached out to him and asked him to be a little more specific on this, and those are the guidelines he gave me. This is going to be an arbitrary answer. You know, first off, how do you define sports car? I know he's looking at maybe getting a Nissan 350 or uh, no, actually he's looking at getting a Honda Civic or a Subi. And those are great starter cars. I don't know if you can really call a Honda Civic a sports car, even a Civic Si, but it is a sporty car, especially if you get the coupe. And I don't think, I mean, for $5,000, five to $10,000, there's probably a ton of Subis out there, a little older you can get. They're safe. Most of them are four doors. Most of them all will drive. If you want to get one with a manual transmission, I'm sure they're out there. I don't know much about them. I just know everybody has one. And that should tell you something. That means they're a great car. Maybe get a Subaru BRZ or, a, or an FRS, a good used one. I think everybody needs a starter car, though. So don't get anything too nice. And you can find stuff older in that price range. It's still pretty nice. But you're going to dent it up. You're going to mess it up. We all do. We all do. We all screw up our first car somehow, some way. Remember, I spilled battery acid in the backseat of my first car, and that shit just kept growing and growing and growing. And then I didn't have a car for two years. And I got a brand new car. Sport Compact. RJ asked, I want to know how awesome it was to have your car at SEMA. It's a personal goal of mine to get my car there. Good question. RJ, go back and listen to Season 1, Episode 3, titled, Do You Want Sponsorships for Your Build? And this one I talk about my SEMA experience, 2017, and what it took to get there. Susan asks, how did you wind up in Michigan from Texas? Because she never asked me this. So Susan Tableman used to be my, my service advisor when I had my first Acura. So when I bought my 1998 brand new Acura Integra GSR, Susan was there. She was also there when I bought my brand new 1999 Acura Integra GSR a few months after I totaled my 98. Susan is the service advisor every service advisor should aspire to be. And I'm going to have her on the show at some point. She's an awesome woman. So I got spoiled. I got spoiled when I bought my first Acura brand new car because an Acura Integra was an entry-level Acura, no matter what trim you got. 
I went to school. Susan, I went to school, went to college, went to Kennel College of Art and Design five years after I graduated high school. So basically that year, 99, for art. That's how I ended up in Michigan. Flunked out of school because I just wasn't feeling it anymore. You know it's bad when you go to school for something, a specialty like art, and the last class you have that you chose to go to was like a science class? I took night classes because I thought it'd be easier. Evening classes, and you just never show up. It's like, okay, I can sit around all day and go to, go to class at 6 p.m. or go to class from 6 to 9 I ended up not showing up to so many classes and just missed too much classes and there's nothing I could do to make up the work, flunked out. You ended up going back to school, getting a degree. Dre Day asks, Tyson or Roy Jones in November? This was such a weird boxing match. But you have to go Tyson. If Tyson can knock, just like old school Tyson, you know, you give him a, a few minutes and if he doesn't get the job done in a few minutes, maybe he wears down. I know it's been so long since we've seen him fight. I guess Roy Jones is still fighting, which is interesting because I remember him being washed up 15 years ago. So, But I'm going to have to put my money on Tyson. I think everybody's going to put their money on Tyson just because it's Tyson, and he's shown us a lot of stuff, but who knows? It's too bad it's come down to this. That's terrible. Metro Q&A segment. It's legit closing time. I want to thank all our guests for coming on today. Brian Sales of the See Through It podcast. I want to thank Matt Lindsay of NSX Rack Repair. Got to thank our sponsors. First and foremost, NSX Channel on Instagram, Koya Automotive, DressUpBolts.com, Higher Quality Detail, and Last Era Brand Motorsports Clothing. If you want to reach me, you can hit me up at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com, Instagram, NA2NSX, or JHAE underscore travels. Facebook is Hard Parking Media. Twitter, Hard Parking Pod, Teespring, Shop the Store. The uh, link will be in the show description. YouTube.com, Hard Parking Podcast. Yes, thank you all for subscribing. Check the YouTube. I got some good videos up there. Still owe you guys a few more videos. Support the show link is also in the episode description for as low as 99 cents a month or $9.99 a month if you're a baller. We got two subscribers. I got two supporters out there. They're doing this. Many more of you listen. I'm not asking you for money. Just saying you could if you wanted to. Love you all the same. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe. I can't grow unless you tell people how awesome the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Shut up!